I'm Brett McGarry. Coming up today on The Couch Potatoes, there's a bunch of stuff to look forward to this month. We'll count down all the movies in our June preview. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I'll also review Solo, a Star Wars story, and the finale of The Americans. And I'll tell you about the latest documentary craze from Netflix. It's called Evil Genius. First, let's get to June... What is that? Set Adrift on uh, Memory Bliss. Remember that PM Dawn song that uses uh, Spando Ballet? Uh, no. So, what? It was a, like a number one hit in really? the 90s. No. Anyway. Sorry, man. If it wasn't Motley Crue or Metallica, I didn't hear it. <laughs> okay. New this weekend, young lovers get lost at sea in Adrift. So why Tahiti? What brought you here? I want to chase adventures. Hello, who's this guy? She has a way. What's it like selling out there all alone? You're either sleep deprived or seasick, and after a few days, there's hallucinations. Why do you do it? It's a feeling I can't describe. It's you and the infinite horizon. Shailene Woodley plays an adventurous woman who falls for an adventurous man who's hired to sail a rich guy's sailboat across the Pacific Ocean. How would you like to sail the Hosanna to California first? What do you think? I think 4,000 miles is insane. I'm not going anywhere without you. Come sail with me. Bon voyage, lovers! And then they hit a mother of a storm, a Category 5 hurricane. Hurricane Raymond has taken an unexpected turn and has been upgraded to a Category 5. We need to make sure everything's secure. Drive away. Surviving the storm, though, was just the beginning as they're left in pretty bad shape. We're thousands of miles from land. We're not in any flight paths. That's like a 1,500 square mile search area. A needle in a blue haystack. Is anybody there? My ribs are broken. My legs shattered. I'm dead weight. I've been sailed to Hawaii. It's like a 2,000 mile shot at a moving target. If you miss Hawaii... If we miss Hawaii, we die. That is a lot of problems to have all at once. The movie's based on a true story, looks good, and looks intense. I settled halfway around the world to find you. I'm not letting you go. Also new this weekend, Johnny Knoxville plays a daredevil who makes his own amusement park in Action Point. That looks fun. Your mom ever tell you it's your old papa home on the greatest amusement parks of all time? Those days were different. There weren't so many rules. Your mom would come for the summer. Boogie! Hi! Oh, baby doll! Even back then, she was the voice of reason. You're the lifeguard. Shouldn't we be facing the water? Ah, let God sort him out. But then a legit amusement park opens up in the neighborhood, so Knoxville has to crank it up a notch. What this place needs is an excitement enema. We're going to make this place fast and loose. Every ride, steady go. Every attraction, no rules, no speed limits, just pure fun. That sounds kind of dangerous. Let's see what this baby can do. Ready, steady, go. 
Basically, it's just an excuse of a movie to throw a bunch of jackass-style stunts together and hope people laugh. If that happens, getting people to laugh will be the greatest stunt the movie pulls off. I laughed when I watched the trailer. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay. I did. I, um, I, I sort of was ashamed by it, but when I watched Jackass number two in theaters, I laughed. Laugh? Ah, hey, if you laugh, you laugh. That's fine. Moving on to June 8th. Why do this? Because the house always wins. Unless when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big, and then you take the house. Been practicing this speech. A little bit. Did I rush it? Felt like I rushed it. That was good. I liked it. That is a clip from Ocean's Eleven. It's been 17 years since that film debuted. I just can't believe that. Great movie. One of my favorites. It's a heist comedy with a stellar cast, including George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, Matt Damon, Bernie Mac, Don Cheadle, Elliot Gould, Andy Garcia, Casey Affleck, Scott Kahn, and Carl Reiner. There was a sequel in 2004, Ocean's 12, and a threequel in 2007 called Ocean's 13. Now they've got this reboot sort of, sequel sort of. That first Ocean's Eleven was itself a remake of a movie from 1960 starring the Rat Pack. And now we've got this new one. Do you know this one? No. Debbie Ocean, convicted felon. Her brother, Danny Ocean, more convicted felon. She was present on the night of the incident. Ooh. So? It would seem that Anne Hathaway plays a real dummy. The hook here is this time all of the heisters are women. So you want to hit a jewelry store? Not exactly. The diamond mine. Yes, that's exactly right. Or what? The Met. In three and a half weeks, the Met will be hosting its annual ball, and we are going to rob it. Sandra Bullock plays Debbie Ocean. She recruits a star-studded cast of bandits, including Kate Blanchett, Mindy Kaling, Helena Bonham Carter, Sarah Paulson, and Rihanna, who had this wonderful piece of acting in the critically acclaimed masterpiece, Battleship. Boom. Hathaway plays a celebrity who will be at the Met when they rob it, and specifically they're planning to rob an expensive diamond necklace from her neck. $16.5 million in each of your bank accounts five weeks from now. That's a lot. They've got every inch of this place covered. This is the most sophisticated security in the world. James Corden plays an insurance investigator, and there will be cameos from the likes of Katie Holmes, Kim Kardashian, Kendall Jenner, and Matt Damon, presumably reprising his role of Linus Caldwell. I'm a huge fan of Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's 12 and 13, not so much. I am optimistic, though, for Ocean's 8. How long did it take you to figure all this out? Five years, eight months, and 12 days. Why do you need to do this? Because it's what I'm good at. So Ocean's 8 is out on June 8th, also on June 8th, a movie that looks like it would actually appeal to a similar audience as Ocean's 8, so I'm not sure why they're fighting for the same release date. It's called Hotel Artemis. violent riot in California history. The largest civil unrest. Three minutes. Open the ball now! Oh, that's real nice. You don't want it? No, I really do. Uh, Hit the ground now! I need to make a call. Hello. How can I help? As you heard in the clip, Sterling K. Brown needs help from Jodie Foster. Who 
easy, fellas. Everybody's gonna get fixed up. Now verify your memberships, and we're off to the races. The Artemis is a secret hospital for criminals. I thought you were done with all this. I got out, but you know how it goes. You're never out. Not up here. I thought this place was a myth. We've been here for 22 years. This hospital was built on two things. Trust. Rules. So it's like John Wick, but in a hospital for criminals instead of a hotel for assassins? Whoever comes, I'll kill them all. That was uh, John Wick weighing in there. That's even... This is not going to be any John Wick. Come on, nothing's John Wick. I know. Uh, but hey, there. so there's a really bad guy who's trying to get into the hotel and break the rules. And that bad guy is played by Jeff Goldblum, who, by the way, is releasing a jazz album. I'd rather watch him in this than listen to his album, I think. <laughs> well, if it's all him talking, I might actually That's buy true. that album. That's true. Um, anyway, Hotel Artemis sounds like general mayhem. There's a war zone up here. Am I going to make it out of here? We can do it together. This is what I do. Visiting hours are never... Busy night at the Artemis. Great cast in this, aside from Jodie Foster and Sterling K. Brown and Jeff Goldblum. You also heard the voice of Dave Bautista saying visiting hours are never. Sophia Butella is in this. Charlie Day, Zachary Quinto, just to name a few. You know, you might want to buy some scented candles or something, because it smells like somebody died in here. They did. Up next, we'll tell you about the movie that is being described as the next Exorcist. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes, doing our June movie preview, and we are up to June 8th. There were two movies we already told you about June 8th, Ocean's 8 and Hotel Artemis. And this one is also making that weekend actually very difficult for me because I really want to see all three of the selections for June 8th. This third one is a movie being called by many as This Generation's The Exorcist. I'm chuckling because Jeff took his headphones off because he hates scary movies. Tony Collette and the mean lady from The Handmaid's Tale star in Hereditary. First, light the candle, then choose an item that belonged to Grandma. Then read this out loud. It's to make things start. I was waiting for something to jump, but then Me nothing. Me too. Then nothing the mean happened. lady Aunt Lydia from The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Who's also the mean lady from The Leftovers is in this scary as hell horror movie. Yes. She's gonna end up like the wicked each from the West, wicked witch of the West uh, from. Wizard of Oz, who literally couldn't get jobs after that because she scared children too much. <laughs> That's amazing. They cried in real life when they saw her on the street. <laughs> well, Colette plays Annie in this film, and here's the official write-up. When Ellen, the matriarch of the Graham family, passes away, her daughter Annie, played by Tony Collette, and her husband, played by Gabriel Byrne, and their two kids begin to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry. The more they discover, the more they find themselves trying to outrun the sinister fate they seem to have inherited. It's also said to feature the performance of Colette's already stellar career. You okay, Mom? Is there something you want to say? Why would I want to say something so I could watch you sneer at me? I don't ever sneer at you. Oh, sweetie, you don't have to. You get your point across. 
and say what you want to say then. Hey, Dad. I tried. Try again. Release yourself. Stop. Just say it. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. I am your mother. All I do is worry, and all I get back is that face on your face. So full of disdain and resentment and always so annoyed. Nobody admits anything they've done. <clears throat> Um, sorry. I know it's irrational. At last report, Hereditary was at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, praised for its chilling portrait of heritage gone to hell. She isn't gone. I think my mother put a curse on us. Let's move to June 15th. It's a super sequel, an incredible 14 years in the making. Behold the Underminer! Watch out for Jack Jack. I thought we were gonna go. You heard your mother trampolining. We meet again. Superheroes are illegal. We wanna fight bad guys. I use the bad guys. It defines who I am. We're not saying you have. What? Someone on TV said it. It's Disney Pixar's The Incredibles 2, the follow-up to the 2004 animated adventure about a family of superheroes. Craig T. Nelson is back as Bob, a.k.a. Mr. Incredible. Holly Hunter is back as Helen, a.k.a. Elastigirl. And Samuel L. Jackson is back as Frozone. Elastigirl is about to be called into action, leaving Bob at home to watch the family. I was approached by this tycoon who wants to talk about hero stuff. Help me bring supers back into the sunlight. We need Elastigirl. Bye, sweetie. I'll watch the kids, no problem. That's not the way you're supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it. This I don't way. know that way. Why would they change math? Math is math. Math is math. All over Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf are dozing. Her eyelids so heavy, they're drooping. Mm. Closing! However, a new villain emerges, so the family and Frozone must band together to save the day. I couldn't have done this if you hadn't taken over so well. I've got to succeed, so she can succeed. So we can succeed. I get it, Bob. What the? That is freaky. But I can't keep giving him cookies. How? He's freaky. Nobody in a daddy. What? Done properly, parenting is a heroic act. Done properly. <laughs> also on June 15th, get ready for an epic game of tag. Susan, you take Jerry to be your husband. What's the difference between Episcopalian and Lutheran? Episcopalians don't eat fish. That's pescatarian. That's not a religion. They're all fanatics. I don't know. You, you may kiss the bride. I love you. Please tell me what's going on here. Our group of friends has been playing the same game of tag for 30 years. What? You can't touch this. 
Tag stars Jeremy Renner, Ed Helms, John Hamm, Hannibal Burris, and Jake Johnson, a.k.a. Nick from New Girl, as a group of friends who've been playing the most intense game of tag for decades. It's based on a true story, and if you're like me, you sort of wish you had thought of it with your friends when you were a kid. In that first clip, one of them tried to tag the groom during his wedding. There are also tags in the delivery room while babies are being born and at funerals. Anything goes, as we hear from Ed Helms. For the entire month of May, every year, we play tag. You're You never know when someone's going to pop up. Congratulations, buddy. You're in. Doing great, Anna. Our buddy Jerry is the best that ever played. And now he wants to retire. Never been tagged. Just saying. So who's it? Can't touch this. This is the year we get Jerry. Can't touch this. Synchronize your watches. I don't know how to do that. I don't wear a watch. Time is a construct. It looks really funny, even though it also looks really dumb. Tag also stars Isla Fisher, Rashida Jones, Leslie Bibb, and Brian Dennehy. This game has given us a reason to be in each other's lives. I think your dad would have really wanted you to be. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, John Travolta makes his return to the big screen. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. We're doing the June movie preview on the 15th. We've got The Incredibles 2 and Tag. Both look great, but also on the 15th. John Travolta won't have to buy groceries for a year once he's done chewing the scenery in Gotti. Let me tell you something. New York is the greatest city in the world. My city. I was a kid in these streets, and I made it to the top. I made my bones doing a piece of work for Don Carlo Gambino. Like that, I became a made man. Dad, I'm thinking maybe take a year off. Why you wanna hang out with me? Do you know what you're doing to this family? I will build something that nobody can destroy. Salute. Wow, does this look bad. It's a gangster movie about the real-life mobster John Gotti. It's directed by Kevin Connolly, a.k.a. Eric from Entourage, and the trailer looks like the fake trailers they used to run on that show. We've never been under this kind of scrutiny before. What were you saying on the tapes? I said a lot of things that could get a lot of people in trouble. Dad, you say the word, I'll go for a cliff for you. You swore to me that you would not bring him into that world. This life of ours is a wonderful life, if you can get away with it. Travolta's real-life wife, Kelly Preston, plays his wife in this. It also stars everybody who's been in every other gangster thing over the years, I'm sure. Gotti was supposed to come out last December, straight to home video. That actually makes sense. But somehow the producers trick someone into ponying up for a theatrical release, and I suspect they will be disappointed. We walk together, and we fall together. This is the life. On the 22nd, it's time to go back again to Jurassic Park. Do you remember the first time you saw a dinosaur? We don't really believe it. It's like a miracle. It's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in which dinosaurs once again terrorize a bunch of dumb humans. Something's coming. It's a T-Rex. It's a T-Rex. It's not a T-Rex. 
Here's an idea. Don't stare into a dark tunnel waiting to see what might come out of it. Go somewhere else. Somewhere tight where it can't get you. Four other Jurassic Park movies have already taught us this. But all hell's breaking out loose on Dinosaur Island, which also has an erupting volcano this time, and a bad guy with what sounds like a familiar plan. Blue, come with me. You know you can't stay here. Jurassic World. The island. You're all right. Easy, girl. All of that is in the past. Am I dead? Not yet, kid. I want to show you the future. What is that thing? They made it. It looks like they made a new dinosaur, which was what went wrong last time. It also looks like they're bringing it to civilization, which was what happened in the second movie, and every King Kong movie, and Godzilla. Fresh out of ideas, it seems, but it still looks cool, and I can't wait. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom on June 22nd. You need to get us out of here. Yeah. And finally, on June 29th, a sequel I am excited about, but also skeptical about. It's Sicario, Day of the Soldado. How would you define terrorism? The current definition is any individual or group that uses violence to achieve political goal. Administration believes that the drug cartels fit that definition. The first Sicario movie debuted in 2015, directed by Quebec's Denis Villeneuve, written by Taylor Sheridan as part of his three American Frontier movies, which also included Hell or High Water and Wind River, which were also both very good. Sicario was about Mexican drug cartels. It got three Oscar nominations. It starred Emily Blunt as an FBI agent, recruited to an elite government task force run by Josh Brolin. The task force also included a mysterious guy played by Benicio Del Toro, whose family was murdered by a cartel kingpin. Blunt was the moral center of that film. Fast forward to the sequel, directed by Stefano Solima. Blunt is not back, but Brolin and Del Toro are, and this time, since there is no Blunt, there are no rules. You want to see this thing through? I'm going to have to get dirty. Turning you loose? I'll lose. No rules this time. Adios. I am excited to revisit this world, but it's a different writer, it's a different director, there's no Emily Blunt, so I fear that this is going to sully my love of that first film, but I will still see it. You're gonna help us start a war. With who? Everyone. Also, holy summer of Josh Brolin, Batman, Thanos in Avengers Infinity War, Cable in Deadpool 2, and now the angry CIA guy in Sicario. He's Th busy. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. Last, and certainly least, on the 29th, a bunch of NBA players team up for the comedy Uncle Drew. Someone like you could combine the old school with the new school at the Rucker. I'll do it on one condition. Anything you want. It's got to be my team. My roster. Okay, anything but that. Don't be slamming my door. Sorry about that. Oh, I 
man. You just did the nah. same. Gotta get the boys. Kyrie Irving plays a senior citizen who's awesome at basketball and is going to enter some street tournament with his friends, played by Shaquille O'Neal, Reggie Miller, and others, all playing senior citizens. It's kind of insane. Lil Ray from Get Out has to keep them all together to win the big game. Yada, yada, yada. It looks really dumb. You don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing. Oh, my God. That sucker punch is the first free throw you ever made. All right, then. That concludes the, the June movie preview yeah, with uh, quite the whimper there. Yeah. You saw a movie this week. Yeah, it came out in May. It's called Solo, a Star Wars story. I'm going to be a pilot. Best in the galaxy. Heard about a job. Big shot gangster putting together a crew. Who are these guys? On Solo. Lando Carrizzi. Whoa, is that a Wookiee? On May 25th. If you come with us... This life's good. You in? That's yes. Solo, a Star Wars story. This film is not yet rated. Solo stars Alden, Aaron Reich, Khaleesi, Maeve from Westworld, Roy Munson, The Vision, and Childish Gambino. Actually, it's Alden, Aaron Reich, Amelia Clark, Tandy Newton, Woody Harrelson, Paul Bettany, and Donald Glover. Also, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as the voice of the robot L337. And like every Star Wars movie in this new era, the robot steals the show. Honestly, if they're still going to make side stories, don't do the uh, one with uh, the bounty hunter. What's his name again? Boba Fett. Don't do the Boba Fett. Find a way to team up L3 with Rogue One's K2SO. That's the movie I want to watch. But today, we have Solo, released just five months after The Last Jedi, the closest two Star Wars movies have ever been released to each other. And Solo relatively felt it at the box office. It didn't quite bomb, but it laid, made less than $100 million on its opening weekend, which is a huge disappointment when you consider The Force Awakens made more than $250 million on its opening weekend. Besides the release dates, I think another factor would be that casual fans do like going to see the continuing saga movies, but don't really care about, you know, the history of Han Solo. And there's nothing in this movie, which I did enjoy, that will change their minds. This is easily the most unnecessary movie of the bunch. It fills in a bunch of Han Solo biography holes that I don't think the vast majority of people really cared about, but it is a fun movie. I like the various heist elements to it, some of the performances, like Donald Glover as Lando Carizian and the aforementioned L337 robot, are actually quite entertaining. Aaron Reich was the big question mark going in, and he's fine. It's a thankless role, I think, to be compared to Harrison Ford's most iconic character, so there's no way Aaron Reich can truly win in this situation, but it's definitely not a bad performance or anything. There are also some great action set pieces, a whole lot of single, double, triple, quadruple crosses, and you may have heard about a bizarre cameo. I had actually had to do some research when I got home on that one. It is a bit too long. It didn't really feel too long, but it is two hours, 15 minutes, and they could have easily trimmed some of the beginning and the elements that weren't just directly related to the story at hand. In other words, instead of a, a full biopic that tries to fill in all these holes that weren't really holes, they should have just stuck to a straight hand solo adventure story. I think that would have been a little leaner, a little bit more more uh, fun people would be more into it nevertheless still a fun time overall three and a half coach cushions out of five for solo i gotta get to see that soon and i still gotta see deadpool too and i need to see avengers again i have too many things to do <laughs> i am frankly shocked that the star wars movie's been out for a week and you haven't already seen it well i'm just not super excited about it i don't know it's yeah, a, it's like weird. you said it's unnecessary yeah. up next jeff is going to say goodbye to one of his favorite shows of all time Safe to say that? Yep. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes.
Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Going to talk a little TV right now. One of my favorite shows over on FX Canada, The Americans, ended its sixth season run this week. The greatest threat the United States now faces is the Soviet Union. Hello. The Americans have no intelligence. Undercover agents hiding all over the U.S. No one has any idea who they are. Well, they look like us. They speak better English than we do. Maybe there's another way. I would lose everything before I would betray my country. You're my wife. Is that right? The Americans premieres January only on FX. That was a promo for the premiere back in 2012. The Americans, a show set in Washington, D.C. during the Cold War of the 80s about an all-American family who are really secret KGB spies and their neighbor, an FBI agent, on their trail, only he doesn't know it's them he's chasing. Now, this weekend saw the finale. It was one of the better finales, did a great job closing off the stories they've been telling all these years, but leaving the future open, sort of opening up new questions of what could possibly lie ahead for a lot of these characters. You could literally make four or five awesome spin-off shows. So it was open-ending, but in a deep, deeply satisfying way. Unless you follow characters all the way into old age in a finale, their lives and stories continue. And I don't like when a finale wraps up every single thing to the point where you think, well, now they have nothing to do for the rest of their lives. So this wasn't that. It also checked off a lot of the boxes we knew it had to as far as certain characters confronting other characters finally after all these years. It gave some hard luck endings or partial endings to a lot of the characters as well, which we also knew had to happen, even though it's a bit of a bummer. But when your show is based on the Cold War in the 80s and involves Russian spies and stuff, history dictates certain things happening. The performances were outstanding. Noah Emmerich, who plays Stan the FBI guy, deserves an Emmy nomination for this episode and the leads Matthew Reese and Kerry Russell they always deserve uh, Emmy nominations and they actually got some last year the rel- the relationship stuff with them how being secret KGB spies can be tough on their marriage paid off perfectly as did the overall spy story again not everyone got to ride off into the sunset with a huge smile on their face but the ending felt right and that's what's satisfying overall like I said satisfying well earned providing closure but making you think about what the future may hold it was also very tense at times which is what this show was probably better at than any other show. And like all good spy stories, it did get to keep one of its secrets. The showrunners have said they will not ever spill the beans on that one. They didn't even tell the actors involved what the real deal was. A great end to a great run of one of my all-time favorites. Like you said, I'll certainly miss the Americans at this time next year when I'm be ready for it to come back. Cool. Well, hey, while you watch that, I watched a new show on Netflix this week, a documentary, which Ooh. is kind of rare for me. I mean, I like documentaries. I uh, watched, used to be a huge special features guy, Lord of the Rings documentaries, like 12 hours of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love documentaries, but I, I like my fiction stuff too, and I already just have so much of it. So, too much of it, really. Uh, but my girlfriend's into crime docs. She says she's been hearing a lot on the tweeters about this one, that it's the next making a murderer. So, we checked it out. It's called Evil Genius. I don't want to charge it. We just robbed. We got him out of the car and helped him. I started hearing a beep. His eyes just got real wide. A potential hostage sent into the bank with an explosive around their neck. Something like this had never happened before in the history of the FBI. For being a small town, Erie has its share of bizarre events, but there is nothing that raised so many questions as this case. The call was made to the pizza shop at 1.30. Brian Wells drove to the site where the pizzas were to be delivered. 
The man told police that he was forced to rob the bank. The FBI believed that whoever built the caller is patient and secretive. Brian Wells here, he was supposed to go on a scavenger hunt. He was supposed to go from point A to point B to point C, where the keys would be given him to release this bomb. This made worldwide news. Four-episode documentary, roughly 45 minutes each. It's about an incident from 2003 that happened in Erie, Pennsylvania. Guy walks into a bank and robs it. Turns out he had a cane, which was actually a working shotgun, and he was also wearing a big T-shirt over top of a collar bomb. Who put it there? Well, hey, that's the... That's the mystery. That's where it begins. And what unfolds is just this fascinating descent into madness. It's a very well-made documentary. It sucked me in like right away. I was hooked within the first 10 seconds of this show. It has some wonderful aerial photography. I guess they use drones or whatever. Just added this really nice cinematic flair to the experience. But it's the story that is the real star here. It's just so insane watching everything unfold learning of the various players involved, you just could not write something this crazy. And all the while you're wondering, who is the evil genius? I'm not entirely convinced by the ending, and it felt like it was starting to drag by the end, but I would be willing to bet that's just because we plowed through it in four hours, and I maybe just needed to digest it a little bit. Maybe you remember the story from the news, from real life, the pizza bomber. Uh, let me say that again. The pizza bomber? I didn't remember it, and I knew nothing about Evil Genius. But even with that, all it took was one Google search of Evil Genius. Netflix came out on May 11th, by the way. Uh, And one of the first hits was a spoiler headline that kind of ruined the ending for me, sort of. So be careful if you Google Evil Genius, because you might be spoiled. I did enjoy it, though. I like that it's only four episodes versus the ten episodes of Making a Murderer. Although I didn't watch Making a Murderer, so I guess I can't really comment on that. But I have heard from some that ten episodes was way too many. This felt like it was just about right. Uh, Even though it kind of dragged for me, maybe I just needed a break, whatever. I will give Evil Genius four couch cushions out of five. Check it out on Netflix. Prepare to be disturbed. 45 seconds left, Jeff. Okay, how about this? I put out a poll on Twitter this week. I'm going to ask you the question. We'll see if you go with the majority here. Okay. The poll question was this. The worst fictional TV location for a vacation. The Upside Down from Stranger Things. Okay. Gilead from The Handmaid's Tale. Oh. Or Westworld from Westworld. Where would you not want to go on vacation the most? Uh, well, probably the the Upside Down, because there are monsters there who want to eat you. The people in Gilead are horrible, and Westworld kind of looks fun. Westworld, you can maybe get away with a little bit, although what's going on there now, you probably wouldn't enjoy too much. Yeah, you're right. It's got to be the Upside Down. No, the majority of people, 56% pick Gilead. Wow. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. You can find the podcast on Google Play or on iTunes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.